3, verse 1, he says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Again, this morning we're going to be talking about triumphing over trouble. Father, we love you today. We thank you, Lord, for your incredible blessing. Father, that is upon our lives. Father, we just pray that your anointing would break any uh, yoke or hindrance, Lord. Father, we just bind the enemy uh, over this service and we release the Spirit of God and the presence of God and the anointing of God in this house today. Father, give us ears to hear the word of the Lord this morning. In the name of Jesus, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Now, this particular psalm that we have just read was written during a very, very difficult time in the life of David. You see, David's own son was leading a revolt against him. Some of the very people that David had helped in the past were turning against him and trying to overthrow him. David certainly was facing more than his share of trouble. I want us to look at this psalm this morning. I want us to go through it verse by verse and see what we can learn from it. The first thing that I discover in this, and that's found in verse number one, and that is the increase. The increase, verse one. Well, David says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. David said, many are they who rise up against me. David was saying, Lord, I I only thought I knew about trouble before. God, that, that was nothing compared to the trouble that I'm facing right now. Job said in Job chapter 14 and verse number 1, he said, Man who is born of woman is, is, is a few days and full of trouble. Uh, are you encouraged now? The truth remains this morning that in my 38 years of full-time ministry, I I have never witnessed the trouble in the lives of people like I see taking place today. Never in my ministry, never in my life have I seen a day like today. It it seems that every single day I, I hear of more and more and more trouble in the lives of God's people. Each new day seems to bring with it a new intensity of problems and pain and perplexities. People losing their jobs. People receiving heartbreaking and and devastating news. Financial setbacks, family problems, faith issues. And no doubt many of you this morning can join in with David and say, Lord, how they have increased that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Lord, you might say, I've never had to face what I'm facing today. Lord, Lord, I've never had to carry a load that is quite as heavy as the load that I am carrying today. 
Lord, I've never had to walk through what I am walking through right now. Not only do I see the increase, but the second thing that I see here is the indictment. It's found in verse number 2. David says, many are they who say of me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. We understand that any time the trouble is present in our lives, we can know for sure that the devil is close by. You see, just as God uses man's mouth to speak through, so the devil does as well. And we understand that the devil isn't, he's an opportunist. How many understand that he takes advantage of every single negative uh, situation that uh, happens in our lives? You see, not only is the devil the, the cause of much of our trouble, and notice I use the word much, he's not the cause of all of our trouble. We give the, the, the devil a lot more credit than he deserves. So often the problem is not with the devil, the problem is brought on by our own ridiculous and silly way of living. I even believe, and some of you won't like this, but I even believe that God brings us some trouble sometimes to correct us, to change our course, amen, to help us to learn something we need to learn. Not only is Satan the cause of much of our trouble, he he also tries to convince us that God has deserted us in our trouble. I want us to notice three lies that the devil tells us during our times of trouble. The first lie that he loves to tell is, he loves to tell us, God doesn't love you. God doesn't, God doesn't love you. The, the devil says to us, if God loved you, if God loved you, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't allow you to go through what you were going through. And therefore, God must not really love you. And then he, he, he tells us, he says, he says, God has lied to you. God has lied to you. Satan says, God, God says in his word that he will never leave you and that he will never forsake you. God, the devil says, God says in his word that he will not allow more to be put upon you than you are able to withstand. And the devil says to us, just look at your situation. How the devil says, it's out of control. It's over the top. It's more than you can stand. God has lied to you. Not only does devil say to us, God doesn't love you anymore and God has lied to you. But, but then the devil says, God has left you. Look around, Satan says. Huh? Oh, do you see any sign at all of God? The devil says, if God were anywhere around, if God were anywhere close by, he would do something. Face it, the devil says to us, God has left you. You are in this thing all by yourself. But the Bible says that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. And those of us that have been around a little while understand that the only time that the devil is lying to us is when he's moving his lips. The third thing that I find in this psalm is found in verse number 3, and that is the involvement. The involvement found in verse 3. David says, But you, O Lord, oh, you are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. And in the last of verse 8, David says, Your blessing is upon 
your people. You see, David wasn't believing the lie of Satan. The question I have for you this morning is, how about you? Are you believing Satan's lies? David said, they say, they say that there is no help for me in God. But David said, I know I know different. God, you are a shield for me. God, you are my glory and the lifter of my head. God, your blessing is upon me. Let me tell you something this morning. God is with us. God is with us this morning. Let me suggest, first of all, this morning that, that God is with us even when we cannot see him. Even when we cannot see him, we can know that God is with us. In 2 Kings chapter 6, oh, an incredible story is recorded there. Where Elisha the prophet and his servant are in Dothan, the city of Dothan. The Bible said that the king of Syria was out to get Elisha. He wanted the man of God dead. And the king of Syria had sent out a host Thousands of men from his army and they had totally surrounded the city of Dothan. And here is Elisha and here is his servant in the city of Dothan. And the city is totally surrounded by thousands of Syrian foot soldiers. And they're trapped in the city. And to the natural eye, it was thousands against two. Not very good odds. Elisha's servant was beside himself with with fear. Oh, he is fearful and he's afraid. And he turns to he turns to his master and he turns to the man of God, Elisha, and he says to Elisha, What in the world are we going to do? And Elisha says to his servant in verse 16, No big deal. No big deal, man. You're fretting over nothing. How? He said, do not fear. He said, because those that are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elisha's servant looks around and sees the host of the army of Syria that has the city totally surrounded. And he looks at himself. And he looks at Elisha. And he says... What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Some of you don't know what I just said. What you talking about, Willis? Help me remember that one. What you talking about, Willis? What are you talking about, man? Verse 17, Elisha prayed. And he said, oh, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he might see. The Bible said, then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Oh, hear me this morning, people. Oh, oh, the spirit world is far more real than the natural world. I said the spiritual world is far more real than the natural world. 
God is with us even when we cannot see him. He is with us. And friend, God is with us even when we cannot sense him. Even when we cannot sense him. You see, we walk by faith and not by feelings. Well, let, let me correct that this morning. We, we, are, we are, we should walk by faith and not by feeling. You see, that, that's really hard for Pentecostal charismatic people to, to grasp and get a hold of. Because we like, we like to feel our religion. In fact, if we don't feel more this Sunday than we felt last Sunday, we, we think something is wrong. And if we go more than a couple of Sundays without feeling something tingle, we blame the preacher. Because he didn't give me my tingle this morning. I hear it tingles more over there, so I'm leaving here and going where it's tingling more. <laughs> we like our tingles. We like, we like to feel our religion. I know I'm a little over the top this morning. Please, please don't, don't misunderstand me this morning. I, I'm not against feelings. And, and ladies, I, I, I love you, and I, this is no slam. I'm, let me, listen, ladies, you've got to have your feelings. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. God made you an emotional being. But don't get so messed up if we don't tingle with you, okay? Because we we're, we're not emotional beings. Amen? Don't, don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not against feelings. and I understand that it's especially women, they've got to have their, their feelings. That's the way that God, God made them. But listen to me this morning. I, I think that we place, we place much more emphasis on this than we ought to. I've even heard preachers say, and I probably said it in my early ministry, quit saying it a long time ago. Said a lot of things in my early ministry because I heard somebody else say it and I needed something to say, so I said what they said. <laughs> now I've got something to say. Amen. <laughs> I've heard preachers say, if you don't feel something today, there's something wrong with you. Well, you know what? If that's the case, then there's something wrong with me about half the time. I don't always feel what others say they are feeling. But by faith, by faith, by faith I know that God is with me. By faith I know that He is near. Oh, by faith that I know, I know that God is with me even when I cannot sense Him. Even when I don't feel anything. Even when I don't have the tingle. David said in Psalm 10 and 1, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? He said again in Psalm 13 and 1, How how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? 
Friend, God can always be seen. He cannot always be sensed. But we can know that He is still with us because we have His Word on it. Fourth thing that I find in this psalm is I find the invitation. That's found in verse number 4. David says, I cried to the Lord with my voice. Verse 7, oh, arise, oh, my Lord, save me, oh, my God. Notice three things about this invitation. The first thing about it is personal. It's personal. David said, I cried to the Lord with my voice. Notice, notice the words, I and the word my. I cried with my voice. If you're experiencing trouble in your life today, lift up your voice and cry out to God. God wants to hear from you. God is our heavenly Father. And no parent likes to be informed of their child's trouble from somebody else. Not only was David's invitation personal, it was also persuasive. It was persuasive. Verse 4, David said, I cried... And he heard. I cried and he heard. Oh, Psalm 65 and 2 says that God is a God who hears those who pray. No matter what it is that I might be doing, no matter how busy that I might be at the moment, no matter how inconvenient that it might be at the time, if one of my kids or one of my grandkids call me, I answer. I could be in the middle of a meeting. I could be at the hospital. I could be driving down the road. Amen. I could be doing any uh, uh, anything that I might be doing. But when it comes up on caller ID that it's one of my kids or it's one of my grandkids, amen, I stop what I am doing, uh, amen, and I answer their call. You see, who they are carries a powerful persuasion with me. They're my child. You're my friend. You're a member of my church. And I love you. And I'm here for you. But they're my child. You see, long after I am no longer your pastor, I'll be their daddy. And I'll be their papa. And so when they call, because of who they are, amen, they have the power to persuade me to pick up the phone and answer and see, listen, we are the children of God. And as the children of God, we are God's priority. And when we call out to God, because that we are His child, because we are His son or His daughter, He answers. He answers. He answers. Wow. Not only was David's invitation personal and persuasive, it was also powerful. Verse 7, For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Did you know that God has already fought and won all of your battles? Are you aware that victory has already been declared in every area of your life? And yet this victory only becomes ours. It only becomes personal when we embrace it and invite God into our troubles. In Mark chapter 6, 
The disciples are in trouble. They're going through an intense storm. And their boat is being tossed about on the water. And verse 48 says that the disciples were straining at rowing for the wind was against them. Here they are in trouble. Their boat is filled with water. The boat is tossing upon the sea. They think they're they're going to go under at any moment. Verse 48 also says that Jesus came walking toward them on top of the water. And the next phrase I find very, very intriguing. I I find it very interesting. Verse 48, the Bible said, He came to them walking on the water. The next phrase, and He would have passed them by. Here they are, they're in trouble. Here they are, their their boat is being tossed about by the wind. Here they are, they're afraid they're about to go under at any moment. Here is Jesus walking toward them on top, victorious over the very thing they think is going to bring them down. And the Bible says that as he walks toward them, the Bible says that he would have passed them by. Even though they're in trouble, even though, oh, they need his help, he would have passed them by. He would have walked right on by. Why? Why would Jesus pass them by? I believe he would have walked on by them, but for one reason. The invitation. I believe they invited him into their trouble. Oh, so often, so often we get into trouble and and we invite everybody, oh, everybody into our trouble. We invite everybody, oh, but the one that can really do something about it. Oh, we talk to our friends, we talk to our neighbors, we, we talk to the postman, we talk to the person in the checkout line. We call our pastor. We set up time for counseling with our shrink. Jesus is walking towards us. He's simply waiting for an invitation to join us in our trouble. But because we have not invited him in, he walks on by. How about you this morning? Will you continue to strain at rowing? Will, Will you continue to struggle on your own? Or will you invite Jesus into the boat with you? Verse 51 of Mark 6 Then he, Jesus, he went up into the boat with him, and the wind ceased. Wow. Let's look at one more thing that I find in this psalm. I call it the inconceivable, found in verses 5 and 6. David said, I lay down and I slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Pastor, what is so inconceivable? It's this. God offers peace in troubled times. God offers peace in troubled times. Let me share three things about peace this morning. First of all, peace is possible. Say that with me this morning. Peace is possible. It's inconceivable that we could have peace in troubled times. And yet the the truth remains, peace is 
possible. In, in the first two verses, David is, is describing all of his trouble. How, how they have increased who have troubled me. Oh, many are they who say of me, there's no help for him in God. Many are they that rise up against me. And yet in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of the trouble, in verse 5, David says, I lay down and slept. Trouble, trouble is insurmountable. Trouble is increasing. Trouble is everywhere. Everywhere I look, there's trouble. What am I going to do about it? I'm going to lay down and sleep. That inconceivable? You see, anxiety will keep you up at night like an overdose of caffeine. Worry will rob you of sleep. But peace, peace will put you to sleep like an old man in his recliner after a big meal. Peace is possible. Not only is peace possible, but the second thing I want us to know about peace, and that is peace is in a person. Verse 5, I lay down and I slept, I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. Who sustained me? The Lord. You see, peace cannot be found in possessions, cannot be found in power, cannot be found in prestige or position. Peace cannot be found in preferred circumstances. But peace, true peace, supernatural peace can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ who is the Prince of Peace. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says to cast all of your care or dump all of your trouble on Him because He cares for you. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, for He Himself is our peace. And Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if you do that, Paul says, The peace of God, oh, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. What did Paul say about God's peace? It's inconceivable. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And the third thing about peace, and I love this this morning. The third thing about peace, peace propels us to believe for greater things. Back to our text, verse 6. David writes, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me all around. You see, when we possess the inconceivable peace that comes only through the person of Christ Jesus, this peace propels us to believe for greater things. David begins this psalm kind of grumbling and kind of complaining about the the increase. Oh, oh, the increase. There are many. Oh, there's more than ever. Oh, everywhere I look, it's trouble, 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 trouble. And he begins this psalm grumbling and complaining and talking about, oh, how bad things are. And then he starts to meditate on the goodness and the faithfulness of his God and his faith begins to grow. And then he experiences supernatural peace, an inconceivable peace, a peace 
peace that far surpasses understanding. And this peace propels him to believe for greater things. Bring it on. Bring it on, David said. I'm not afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Preaching better than y'all shouting today. You were quiet in worship too, so I'm going to blame it on Braden. Amen. Good thing to have staff. You've got things to blame people on. People to blame. <laughs> Amen. Can, can you see the difference? Can you see the difference? He starts out grumbling, complaining. Trouble, 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 trouble. Then he starts talking about the goodness and the faithfulness, and the awesomeness of his God. Oh. Oh, and as he begins to think on the goodness and the faithfulness and the awesomeness of God, a peace comes over him. He, he's able to lay down. He's able to sleep. Amen. And this peace that he now has propels him. Amen. It propels him to believe for greater things. Bring it on, he says, man. Bring it on. It don't matter what it is. Amen. With the help of God, I can, I can get through it. And I can triumph over it. I can tell you personally, Some of the things that used to shake my faith. Some of the things that used to keep me up at night in the past. Some of the things that used to bring me a lot of stress. Some of the things that used to bring a lot of anxiety to me in the past have very little effect on me today. You say, you don't ever stress? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying saying that it takes a whole lot more now. It's a whole lot more now. And believe me, I, I get that. Amen. Quite often. <laughs> mm-hmm. The devil sees to it. And he works through people. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see, God, God, what, why? Why can, I, why can I say that? Because God has proven himself faithful to me. He's proven himself faithful to me. His, his faithfulness, his faithfulness. Oh, I'm telling you that God is faithful. You've heard me say it a thousand times, the greatest indicator of what a, person, what a person will do is what they have done. The greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. That works with God, too. The greatest indicator of what God will do is what he has done. Now, I don't know about you, but, but God has seen me through a lot of things in the past. God has come through for me many, many times in the past. Amen. God has been faithful to me. And you know what? As I look over my life and I look over the things I used to worry and fret and, 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 and concern myself with and try and fix and try and repair and try and make things happen. Amen. And my wife sometimes says, how in the world does this not bother you? I'll tell you why it doesn't bother me. Because God has proven himself faithful to me. And because God has been faithful to me in the past. Amen. That gives me peace in my heart and peace in my spirit. And I know that the God of the past is going to be the God of the future. And I know the God that brought me this far is going to take me all the way home. Amen. And the, and the peace that I have with God today propels me forward to believe God. Bring it on, devil. It doesn't matter what it is. Amen. Through the peace of God and through the faithfulness of God. Amen. We can triumph in our trouble. Well, give the Lord a shout of praise in this house today. This incredible peace. We could have the musicians and singers back this morning. This, in, this, in, this inconceivable peace keeps my ship afloat in the midst of troubled waters. Amen. 32 minutes. Thank you. <laughs> the title of my message today is
triumphing over trouble. Stand with me this morning, please. Hear me this morning. Hear me. Listen. Don't lose focus. Hear this this morning. We don't just triumph after we make it through. I said, we don't triumph just after we make it through. But there's triumph that comes even in the midst. Even in the midst. You say, how, how, how can we be triumphant? We're in the midst of it. We're in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Triumph comes even in the midst of all of our trouble. When you have peace in the midst of your trouble, you've already begun to triumph over your trouble. You didn't hear me this morning. You didn't hear much of what I had to say today. I said, when you have peace in the midst of your trouble, you have already begun to triumph over your trouble. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Father, thank you today for the word of the Lord this morning.